0: MSW Media News with swearing. Dear beans, say the beans. Dear the
1: beans, say
2: beans.
0: Welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, January 26, 2021. Today, the Inspector General of the Department of Justice has opened an investigation into any efforts to overturn the election. The House has delivered the article of impeachment against 45 for inciting the insurrection. Supreme Court drops the emoluments cases. Biden continues to undo many of the last administration's policies. Dominion Voting Machines is suing Rudy Giuliani for defamation. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders announces her run for governor of Arkansas. I'm AG. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, how are you doing on this very windy, blustery, cold, wintry, rainy day? <sighs>
1: I love how spoiled we are. There's people in like four feet of snow in like the Midwest in Chicago. (laughs) And we're like, it's 60 degrees out. (laughs) <laughs> and there's fireplaces and things like that. I'm I'm okay. I was a little low energy today, but um, even hearing your voice and starting to record has shifted me into a different space. So we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, I wanted to talk really quick about the Supreme Court dropping the emoluments cases. A lot of people are upset about this. Um, Add me to the list. Yeah, and apparently it's a process thing. It's just technically he's not the president anymore, and the the way that the lawsuit was written. Ah um it, it's for while he was being president and since that's not a thing anymore there's no that the whole case is moot so it's a procedural thing not a merits thing um so, so that's kind of where they are with that i don't know if it can be refiled i think we're going to talk about it a little bit on cleanup on L 45 this week that comes out on wednesday but i'm not really sure about the mechanics of that because you know they didn't drop it because they didn't think the president didn't do anything wrong um they just said hey your specific lawsuit isn't seeking any damages outside of the fact that he's the president of the united states which he's not anymore so it's moot and that's kind of procedurally and and it legally makes sense it just fucking sucks because he needs to be held held accountable for this shit right
1: something something's got to happen
0: we may see additional uh civil lawsuits filed or you know that that do have jurisdiction or standing or, or whatever uh you know is needed um you know a lawsuit that's not moot anymore that doesn't require him being president to sue him for this i don't know we'll see um so that's going on and then a little bit later in the show we're going to talk to the creators of the new vice tv series about QAnon. that's marley clements and bayan Junom and uh, marley clements also worked on active measures which i know a lot of listeners have mm-hmm. seen And we've had the creator of that, uh, co-creator of that on the show before, Jack Bryan. And so it's really, it's a three-part series on Vice News, and it starts tonight, and it's going to be really intense and and amazing, and there's a lot of really good reasons to watch that series. So I'm going to stick around for that. But in the meantime, we got some news, so why don't we do that? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today is that the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, Michael Horowitz, as you know, has launched an investigation into any effort to overturn the 2020 election. His announcement followed a New York Times article that detailed efforts by a random fuckface named Jeffrey Clark, the acting head of the Justice Department's Civil Division, to push top leaders to falsely and publicly assert that ongoing election fraud investigations cast doubt on the Electoral College results. That standoff prompted uh, Trump to consider replacing the acting attorney general, Rosen, at the time, with uh, Jeffrey Clark at the top of the department to carry out that plan, right? But everybody threatened to to resign, uh, being like this massive Saturday Night Massacre thing that would have happened. And I guess that, that got Trump to back off of that plan. But just because you failed at an attempt doesn't mean you didn't commit the crime. That's like... You know, you don't have to actually kill someone to be in trouble for trying to. (laughs) right? And um, so Andrew Torres and I are going to go over that in the weeds, kind of more in detail uh, on that investigation. That's tomorrow's episode of Clean Up on L 45. So tune into that. But that's a very interesting. I'm very glad because, you know, those seven seven senators wrote a letter being like, hey, you got to look into this. Absolutely. inspector general horowitz is and you know we'll cover who horowitz is in case you're new to the show we've talked about him ad nauseum on here because of all of his inspector general investigations into the trump russia stuff and the carter page fisa warrant and everything that was happening he's he's the inspector general that was there throughout the tenure of the trump administration
1: well hopefully they will uh find some i'd love to see some uh uh, criminal referrals if you will Coming out of that investigation. Um, there's a lot more cleanup uh, going on in the White House at this point. Lots of news from Biden. Uh, Biden has announced that he wants to replace the entire federal fleet with electric cars. It's a good thing. He, yes, he's resuming the process of putting Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill just to piss off a bunch of racists out there. I wonder if they're just going to burn their money to own the libs. You think they're just going to burn $20? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long, oh, man, how long before they it. start torching their oh, notes? he is not ruled right? out using budget reconciliation or the elimination of the filibuster to get the American Rescue Plan passed, saying how they proceed will depend on how negotiations develop in the coming days. Uh, Can I, I want to interject here. so that they this Because
0: this is a kind of breaking news. Not breaking, but it's sort of a little bit ongoing about this fucking filibuster thing, right? McConnell said, uh, I'm not going to do a power-sharing agreement until... You promise me you won't get rid of the filibuster. Schumer says, I'm not going to promise you that. And now there's a standoff. There's no power agreement in the Senate. Uh, And so the, the problem is that in order to there's all sorts of little tricks people are coming out with, like, oh, just change the rules or you know, nuke the filibuster or do a mini nuke on the filibuster. You know, like how back in the day they didn't nuke the entire filibuster. They just nuked it for federal judge appointments or nuked it for SCOTUS appointments. We'll just nuke it for this particular power sharing agreement thing. The problem is, is that we don't have 51 vote to change the rules, to do the mini nuke, to do the maxi nuke, whatever it is you want to do, you have to have 51 votes. And we don't uh, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, particularly Joe Manchin, are refusing to nuke the filibuster. And Manchin took it a step further, saying he will not vote for anything that would even touch the or allow anyone to touch any portion of the filibuster. So I we're kind of at a stalemate. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here racking my brain, thinking of ways to do this. Everyone's telling me, well, Claire McCaskill just had an idea on Ari Melber, but I haven't watched that clip yet. Uh, but I mean, if it has anything to do with a rule change. Like a cloture rule change, mm-hmm. you still need 51 people to vote on that. And Manchin has said, I will not. Like, like you think you're going to trick him? Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's just infuriating because it's playing right into McConnell's
1: hands. This is what he wants.
0: Yeah, and so I think what we at least can do now is to flood Manchin's... Um, Office with phone Absolutely. calls and letters. Uh, and so that's sort of where we're at right now. So I just wanted to sort of interject that. We're going to be going over that again uh, as soon as I have more information. And then again, later today, I'll talk to, to Andrew about that when we record for Wednesday's cleanup on 45 but i mean other than that i'm sort of like i i put the question out to everybody like what do we do serious question i'm not you know and a lot of people are like well just we won take it back but there's you can't work that
1: way yeah unfortunately by
0: force right (laughs) You can't just drag him out by his ankles i wish oh my goodness i'd love to see it uh so i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to get an answer on a way that that can be done without mansion having to vote on it because like i said he is absolutely refusing to do anything that would eventually lead to or get rid of the filibuster so
1: well if you hear anything you get updates sh- sharing with them with us asap uh, and i know that you will, will. we get more good news um uh, actually i, I see it's good news because at least there's movement happening biden is increasing the goal of one million vaccinations per day to 1.5 million doses, and announced that people who want a vaccination will be able to get one by spring. Now, this is interesting because I heard conflicting things um, on CNN where he actually did not commit to a date when they said when can they have this by, and I think that was probably a positive thing, AG, because we saw this with the Trump administration; they were wrong. You know, they said we'd have 20 million uh, vaccines by the end of 2020, and that didn't happen. And you know, there's, 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 there's a uh, public consequences for that when it comes to morale and and voting and all of those things. So I think Joe made the right decision there. I would love to see it um, by the spring, but we'll we'll see what happens there.
0: Whichever the case is, I hope that he's under-promising and will over-deliver. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that's right now I feel like that, you know, it's when you have that really bad, like, boyfriend or girlfriend that's like does nothing and then the new one comes in and they're like how's your day and you're like oh my god i'm gonna take my clothes off my day is wonderful thank you for asking (laughs) (laughs) like no one's ever been this nice to me they're like uh i drove you to the airport you're like you don't understand (laughs) seriously and my favorite my favorite story and we talked about this yesterday biden has signed the executive order lifting donald trump's ban on transgender troops serving openly in our military Yes. Um, mm, and yeah. and just it, for those people that are listening, if you are a, a transgender troop, either veteran or um, happening right now, or you're going to enlist, I thank you uh, for, mm-hmm. for, fu- for serving for a country and fighting for a country that has embarrassingly not always fought for you. So thank yeah. you. I stand next to you and fight with you. And,
0: and he even kind of took it a step further and said, anyone who is able to serve... Mm-hmm who who is able to serve may serve which is how it should be <sighs> yeah whatever it is what you know what would whatever it is there, there might be new considerations that we haven't thought of right uh that could come up in the future and 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 the and the idea is is that that any person you know will be able to serve if they if they choose to
1: and then we've got uh, you know, transgender, a transgender bigot and transphobe john cornyn is that how is we see it? yeah coming out <sighs> and being like oh i thought we were going to unify here's another executive order i'm like that's an embarrassing way to just come out publicly and say you don't like transgender people and <laughs> that you think somehow uh unity and equality is dividing it's divisive mm-hmm. oh he's such a schmuck uh finally the senate it's set to confirm, and that has happened um, since we, we we wrote this. The Senate has confirmed Janet Yellen as the first woman Treasury Secretary in American history. So congratulations to her. Pretty
0: pretty wide vote too. I don't have the numbers in front of me as it was just happening as I as I got up from uh, got up from my home and and traveled and commuted into my workplace uh, across the hall into my second bedroom uh, to 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 record this. But yeah, it was uh, apparently a. a slam dunk so way to go janet fantastic and it is time for a little schadenfreude schadenfreude So Dominion Voting Systems has done it as we thought they would. They have filed the defamation lawsuit on Monday against Rudy Giuliani, the lawyer for Trump and former mayor of New York City, who played a key role in Trump's months long effort to subvert the 2020 election. It's 107 pages long. It was filed in the district court in Washington. It accuses Giuliani of carrying out, quote, a viral disinformation campaign about Dominion made up of, quote, demonstrably false allegations, in part to enrich himself through legal fees at his podcast it's a
1: big one too this number
0: (laughs) the suit seeks damages of more than 1.3 billion with a b and it's based on more than 50 statements Giuliani made at legislative hearings on twitter on his podcast in the conservative news media where he spun fictitious narrative of a plot by one of the biggest voting machine manufacturers in the country to flip votes for President Biden. Giuliani uh, has faced continuing fallout for his highly visible efforts to reverse the election outcome. This month, the chairman of the New York State Senate Judiciary Committee formally requested that the state court strip Giuliani of his law license. So... That's fun. Uh, and, you know, we're going to see a lot of of consequences for Rudy Giuliani. I know that that ongoing investigation is still happening in the Southern District of New York. Uh, however, we don't know if Giuliani received a pocket pardon or secret pardon. Right. Uh, f- uh from trump or not and we won't know until par- uh charges are filed and uh we'll see if a motion is filed by his by him to dismiss based
1: on a pardon then we'll know oh i just wish we could get these before like someone bring j- charges you know so before the senate <laughs> has to vote i because i'd really love to see what kind of shady shit he did after he went out of office Oh, and speaking of the House has delivered, the article of impeachment has been marched over, kickstarting the process of a Senate trial for the incitement of the insurrection. Uh, And some big news here. Senator Patrick Leahy will preside um, as Senate pro tem because this impeachment is not involving a sitting president per the Constitution. I have some thoughts about this, A.G. We'll talk about this after I finish. But uh, there is precedent for this. Um, The precedent was when William Belknap... um, so impeaching after the president has left office and not having Chief Justice John Roberts preside are both within the bounds of the Constitution, though the GOP is trying to use that as an excuse to acquit Trump on process grounds instead of the merits. Um, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, William Belknap was
0: impeached after he left his office and because he was out already... Uh, president pro tem presided over that too now he wasn't the president right but they they had the president pro tem preside over that because he was no longer in his job
1: and and to me I want to know what you think and as we finish up here I just I don't understand why you would pick someone so partisan just to rile up the GOP and what feels like giving them you know just any sort of leg to stand on it's not they don't have one but they'll try I just don't understand what was the point of switching them out can you tell me and the listeners (laughs)
0: Here's what I think. Here's my thoughts. They don't have the votes to, to convict. Right. And they're not going to get the votes to convict, no matter what sort of evidence comes out between now and then. So it's better to have a, a friendly presiding who will allow for witnesses, ah, say. okay, uh, Maybe we'll get more information out to the public about this. And then... Even then, you know, when if the the public has more information and they're armed with more information and then the Senate votes to acquit, then it is likely that the public will want to hold those senators more accountable for acquitting. And that's just a guess. But you're right. Like, otherwise, why would you want to make it? partisan by putting a Democrat over, you know, presiding. But I I think that's why, is to get more information out to the public.
1: And a quick question, uh, just for my clarification, can they still vote on disqualification if they don't convict him? Nope, you have to convict first. Um, And then there's a vote on disqualification. Okay. Yeah. And and now we've never,
0: I don't think there's any precedent for that. Uh, So it hasn't been like litigated, if you will. But the Republicans... If I doubt that if they if they they would vote to prevent him from disqualify him from running for office, if they wouldn't vote to convict him.
1: I agree. I just I mean, with him whole starting this Patriot Party, I don't understand how they're not seeing this as like a massive fracture in the party that they will not win another presidency if he steals half of the elect. I just don't understand. Anyway.
3: Uh, Yeah. Although
0: if they do start the Patriot Party, I think it would be funny that Trump would be the PP
1: candidate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I like when you find them in there. I love that you try not to laugh. Anyway, back to the story. (laughs) February the 8th is going to begin the opening arguments. Briefs will be filed by both sides in the next two weeks. Will there be witnesses? What evidence will be presented? New videos are showing real time incitement. Uh, They believe the trial will take fewer than 21 days. And like you just said, it appears unlikely the Senate will convict. So call your senators. Seriously, blow up their phones. Um, It's unsure right now how witnesses or potential co-conspirators like Holly and Cruz can be jurors. And Joyce Vance has echoed that sentiment. I mean, they're clearly biased. And they're, they're mm-hmm. clearly compromised. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That's it.
0: Yeah, Joyce tweeted, like, how can you be a witness to a crime and be on the jury? That seems weird. But it's a political process, not a criminal one. So we'll see how it goes. And some other quick headlines, too. The Huckabeast ugh, is ugh. running ugh. for governor in Arkansas. Ugh. And I want to clarify, when I call her the Huckabeast, it has nothing to do with how she looks. It's more of a Satan thing. <laughs> Uh, and Dr. Deborah Burks is on a rehab tour just now telling us that someone was feeding Trump falsified data. She didn't speak up back then. Nobody did. And uh, National Guard troops have been asked to remain in the Capitol as the impeachment trial approaches and because March holds significant dates for QAnon, including March 4th and March 6th. And we'll be right back with the creators of the new Vice TV three-part series on QAnon for more information on that. So stay with us. After the... Messages will be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG from the Daily Beans. And I would like to tell you about the Stereo app. Uh, Stereo is a free live broadcast social platform. It enables people to have real conversations in real time. And the app allows us, uh, Dana and I, to build a more intimate relationship with you all by engaging you in direct conversations because you can record questions and send them directly to us. So I want to tell you that this Thursday and every Thursday, uh, Dana and I will be live on the Stereo app at 5 p.m. Pacific time. It's like a little happy hour. We're going to talk about social justice issues. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, laugh and joke around a lot. Might use more swears than normal. And uh, it's absolutely free. So download the Stereo app. Look for myself, or which is Allison Gill or DG Comedy. And uh, follow us. And then you can also listen to our live show. Again, that's Thursday. And it's going to be every Thursday at 5 p.m. And if you stick around after this podcast is over, you can hear a little clip from our last live show that Dana and I did on the Stereo app so you can get a feel for it. So we appreciate it. Everyone, download the Stereo app, and we'll see you Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Today, I am joined by some experts on QAnon and what's going on with that group. Uh, I am joined by uh, Marley Clements and Bayan Junom, and they both have worked for think tanks like the Brookings Institution. And we know Marley Clements uh, was a partner working on the Active Measures documentary, and we've had, you know, we've had uh, Jack Bryan on the show previously. And Bayon, you were a partner and head of Soul Pancake, and worked on multiple productions there. And now you guys are joining forces to work on a three-part miniseries documentary about QAnon that starts tonight on Vice TV at 10 p.m. Welcome. So I'm so happy to have you.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. It
3: with is an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, very excited. Thanks for having us.
0: So with the success uh, and deep dive of active measures, uh, I am really looking forward to this. And I'm assuming you're kind of taking sort of the same angles or wanting to really dig in and understand what's going on with the QAnon community.
3: Yeah. So it's actually interesting. You know, uh, Brian and I decided to do this together sort of immediately post Active Measures. Like I think the, the night of the Active Measures premiere, we talked about it that day. Uh, and uh, we did come at this from a bit of a different angle. We certainly do the deep dive into the background and who's behind it and sort of origin story and its impact on society. but. We do take a different format where we're hosting and, uh, you know, so we are involved and in, in getting to spend a lot of time with the Anons and, and meeting the people within the community as well. So this is a bit different format from active measures, but uh, certainly the same rigorous research and principles apply.
0: And I'd like to ask you with this particular um, documentary, besides just awareness, what are some of the missions? Like, what is your vision about what this particular series can can do?
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, you you had hit it on the head in our conversation earlier, which was this was different because we really wanted to contribute to the conversation by starting to understand what the beliefs were so that we can better engage with friends, family members or anyone you might know who believes in this, because the problem was much more widespread than I think anybody was willing to discuss. Uh, when we first started researching this. So our mission was, I think, to try to provide with a you know, um, sincere sense of curiosity uh, in understanding what is it about QAnon that drew so many Americans to leave even their friends and family in favor of loyalty to this kind of anonymous internet figure. And in trying to understand that, Uh, we were able to dig into kind of the who and the why behind QAnon in the later episodes.
0: And, you know, I mean, obviously, the first step in exposing disinformation is to shine light on it. Right. And I think that that is uh, our that's part of our job here, as well as kind of, you know, one of the one of the things that that you're trying to achieve with this with this documentary. And I especially am interested in this, too, because. Uh, Myself included, and I know a lot of listeners of this show, have a lot of family and friends that may be involved in QAnon and don't quite have the verbal chops to, to discuss, to have the discussions with them and how to approach even having discussions. And I, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's sort of that sort of aspect with, with this documentary as well.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things we're really proud of is that, you know, if your listeners are familiar with soul pancake at all. Our mission was to try to have conversations on the internet that go deeper than what you can typically find. And QAnon, you know, I think both of us were interested in bringing that same perspective. And I think one of the things that we find, you know, is that oftentimes um, we try to use a lot of evidence and facts. And as you had mentioned, like try to find ways to one up one another in conversation. But I think with groups like QAnon and the followers of QAnon, It's more about trying to, you know, utilize patience, compassion, and critical thinking. The same things that QAnon expects from the followers, asking follow-up questions, engaging in a Socratic dialogue, and honestly, patience and compassion are, to me, what listeners of your show should be implementing with friends and family. Because it's not likely that you're going to agree or, like, finally, you know, Uh, disprove everything that is what is a deeply held belief, most of the time, or it stems from a deeply held belief. So I think, you know, a different approach to how you engage people that you disagree with uh, is what's called for in this case. And I think, you know, our show um, does a a good job in demonstrating how that could work, Um, because I think we must temper our expectations And if I could just
3: add quickly to that that I I think that one of the things that was hard for me personally and maybe some of your listeners is uh the idea of not coming at at people who believe in it with facts and saying you know this is a thing but really sticking to the sort of core beliefs that I think that you know one of the things I learned spending this whole year going around the country meeting people who are into QAnon is that we have a lot in common right uh I, I too think that government corruption is a real issue. I think money in politics is really a terrible thing that's plaguing our system. Um, and, and that we're, we are losing, you know, uh, our control of government as people. And so, you know, really being able to just dig in on the things that we can all agree on and, and focusing there so that we are bringing the middle together a little bit more uh, and, not, and not go straight into the satanic pedophile ring, um, but really just focus on the sort of core beliefs of like, Getting rid of corruption in politics.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's a really important point uh, to bring into it. And I'm. I'm also wondering um, if you go into it all, what sort of, uh, what sort of person is more vulnerable uh, to these kinds of beliefs.
2: You know. One thing that we don't talk about on the show, but I think is something that is worth considering, is that we have a number of epidemics happening in the country at once. And so in thinking about it as a Venn diagram of like, where did the vulnerabilities lie, whether it be, you know, the economic crisis we're going through, whether it be the opioid crisis, you know, that's happening and all of these things compiling upon one another. I think what we see with QAnon is an ability to prey on those vulnerabilities that affect A lot, you know, a vast majority of the country, and find a way for people to confirm those beliefs and suspicions through QAnon, but starting from a place of, you know, uh, starting from somewhere that, you know, a disenfranchised place that many Americans find themselves today.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I'm, I'm always drawn back to the incredible performance uh, by Edward Norton in American History X, where he's recruiting. Uh, Nazis and white supremacists for for the movement, and I always am watching that, being very thoughtful of who these kids were, where they were in life, and how they mostly felt
3: left out. Yeah, we we saw that a lot. Um, I think that I think that there there is that certainly within within QAnon, and, and also a lot of um, people who have survived childhood trauma, right? Uh, certainly, certainly preying on that, um, and so I think that 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 was a big part of it, but. It, as Brian mentioned, the sort of several pandemic epidemics that we're dealing with as a country coming together, uh, this was interesting because it was able to reach such a wide audience, right? It was not just, it started as a far right thing, um, but it really has shifted into the far left in a very serious way. Uh, and so you see that um, sort of at the beginning of the pandemic with the uh, bringing together of the anti-vax communities, uh, bringing them into this through pandemic and other content that was promoted by Q uh, really, I mean, we spent we went to all these rallies every weekend, and it was really interesting to see this turn from a MAGA crowd to you know people, you know, smudging, burning sage uh, in in the streets, and and really like these sort of beautiful, lengthy moments. That uh, but it was all for Q, right? It was very interesting to see that.
0: And and Marley, after working on active measures, did you see any parallels um, between? How Russia uh, kind of takes advantage of of groups, disenfranchised groups, to seed f- disinformation, and and this as well, because I feel like a lot of what we saw in 2020 coming from within our own country. Uh, a lot of that was modeled after what Russia did in 2016 to our country, like the robocalls from Jacob Wool, or Rudy Giuliani and his Dominion voting machines, and and trying to get dirt on Joe Biden in Ukraine. And now this in Q. And I was wondering if you saw any parallels there.
3: Absolutely, it was a uh, it was a wild research experience for me, and uh, for Jack, who's also a writer on this on the show. um, to see so much of our research cross with the work that we did on active measures, I mean, I think that you know one of the things that the Russians did really effectively in their usage of active measures was uh, preying on the divisions within a, within society and hitting the hitting different groups, right? So amplifying the Black Lives Matter things through Russian sites as well as the pro-Trump thing, um, you know, information online, and so. Uh, here you see that very much the same way. They really were able to target very specific groups and and find ways to bring them in. So they are centered around a certain, very specific narrative, right? They might not agree on everything, but they can all agree that the only way we're going to get away from this corruption is through Donald Trump. Um, And actually with QAnon, I will say sort of deep cut here is I think a lot of this, uh, the origins of it We see especially there the the original conspiracy theories that were pushed by this network all sort of centered around um, Seth Rich was a big one, uh, but other things where the answer at the end of the day was because this happened this way, it means that for sure it was not the Russians and Donald Trump working together. This was actually Hillary Clinton the entire time. And I really do see that as sort of the origin of all of this. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because that's sort of One of the active measures, right, is that they'll find a wedge issue like Black Lives Matter, as you mentioned, or Bernie Sanders even. And, you know, we aren't no one sat here and said Russia created Bernie Sanders and Black Lives Matter, but they certainly tried to co-opt. And and take advantage of those divisions, and we we have evidence of that. And I I kind of figured that that sort of reflexive control came into play when we talk about QAnon. So uh, I have some more questions for you uh, about some uh, more specific things, without giving away too much, because I think everyone needs to watch this this documentary series on Vice TV. Again, that starts tonight, 10 p.m. on Vice TV. But uh, I do want to take a quick break. Will you stick around with me?
3: Absolutely. Thanks so much.
0: No problem. Everybody, uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG and this Helping the Daily Beans podcast is brought to you by Magic Spoon. This is for all the cereal lovers out there. I used to love cereal when I was a kid. I would eat like a whole box sitting in front of the TV for Saturday morning cartoons. But as I grew up, I had to give it up because of all of the sugar and carbs, but not anymore. Now there is Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is so good, you will not believe it's healthy. Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers nutritional value as opposed to none, Magic Spoon may be the future of breakfast. And I agree. Magic Spoon uh, cereals amazingly have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving, it is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low carb, high protein, and GMO free. And the best part is so delicious. It is like the best thing I've put in my mouth. So they have four amazing flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. So you get that vintage vibe. And uh, Magic Spoon tastes incredible. It seems too good to be true, but it is not. My favorite flavor right now is cocoa because I can eat the cereal and then drink the chocolatey milk after or I can have it as a dry snack later in the day because there's no guilt. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and grab a variety pack. Try all four flavors today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to get free shipping. That makes it totally risk-free because Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money in full, no questions asked. So that's magicspoon.com slash daily beans, and then use the code daily beans for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Marley Clements and Bayan Junam, uh, the uh, creators of the documentary series for Vice TV uh, about QAnon. It's a three-night series, is that correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. And it starts tonight, um, and I I highly recommend everybody uh, watch this incredibly informative documentary series. Uh, And to bring this back in, we were talking a little bit about Russian active measures before, and I wanted to talk about kind of the linchpin here, or at least one of them, which is Michael Flynn, and uh, his, you know, it was it was publicized that he had taken the QAnon oath. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. And did that really push the movement forward with the, with the, uh, uh, not just addition of Michael Flynn, but kind of the leader?
2: Yeah. And, and, you know we like talking about this because we you know kind of shift between these two extremes when discussing the origins of QAnon, right and there's one story that looks something like you know this loser in a basement somewhere started this thing and it went viral and then there's another story that exists where there were people with the actual operational and tactical skills demonstrated through their career to pull off something like this And so what our series does is it takes a deep dive into investigating the validity behind each of those theories, and seeing how maybe it's not a mutually exclusive thing. How maybe over time, QAnon has changed hands, how it's evolved and how members of the uh, intelligence community and military community have been involved for a very long time before it was posted publicly.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we just learned, I think, over this weekend that one in five of the insurrectionists are, are former veterans or, well, veterans, former military. And and so, you know, when I was early on watching some of the videos of the insurrectionists going up the Capitol steps, they were in that formation uh, with hands on the shoulders. And I was like, that's not um, the, the guy in the basement that we're talking about. Um, these are... Ta- the zip tie guy for example who was just denied bail um and the three percenters the oath keepers and all that and i'm uh, i assume you discuss how all of that is wound into there but also i'm very interested in the money that backed this do you do you guys go into that
3: we do go into it a little bit there's certainly a element of a, a very serious grift within QAnon, right and and there's so many uh, there's so much q paraphernalia you can buy online and uh that, that is an element that we go into it, but it, you also see um, the way that people were able to uh, support people like General Flynn, for example, and his uh, defense fund uh, through QAnon sites, right? So uh, we take a look at some of that and and certainly there there is money throughout all of it.
2: And the use of storytelling and content creation in order to leverage that, you know, I think that when you, prior to the purge on all social media, um, there's extremely well-documented, uh, you know, history of how uh, bakers in this community and bakers are the researchers or the people who make videos that kind of decode cues drops, um, how they have created this kind of economy on social media that works through these microtransactions. And some of them, many of them do benefit you know, things like General Flynn's defense fund, um, and more organized institutions like that. But I don't think it's, I think it's worth not ignoring how those structures actually supported the researchers and the bakers and the people uh, who are posting as well. So you know, we think like to think about this as this top down structure, right, it all funnels to one place. But we actually look at this more as a network that built an economy that allowed you know, thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of people to spread this message and this idea.
3: And that it actually was one of the things that surprised me was how uh, economically they were able to do that, right? I think with a lot of these content creators and following the money there, you see, you know, this might just be a $50 donation once a week or something, right? And then it's this very small amount, but uh, it's enough to allow people to live off of and, and to keep the sort of patriot economy continuing.
2: And also to buy loyalty in a certain sense, like to, in order to get goodwill, when you think about a lot of these folks who have research and technical skills, you know, on the internet, whether that be in hacking or, or otherwise, you know, these are folks who I think in some of the cases that we look at in our in our documentary these are folks who are easy to you know reach out to have a favor and that was just off of a 35 dollar donation every time they do a live stream mm-hmm. so it's like it's not what you think right with these like kind of spy thrillers when you watch them of like here's this big lump sum amount what we found was a much more sophisticated network a decentralized kind of model of micro transactions that went across you know thousands of platforms and channels
0: yeah and then you're fiscally engaged right then uh, which is just another kind of claw into the into the brain and and you know these narratives are excruciatingly creative And engaging. Uh, I remember when I was 13, I, I, you know, I was convinced that my friends and I had summoned a demon through a Ouija board. And we spent months trying to defeat this demon through astral plane dreaming. And uh, we were 100% convinced that this was right now I was 13. But, you know, I mean, when the when the story's engaging, um, it, it can be it can be very powerful. And and so that's kind of why I wanted to talk a little bit about the gamer aspect of this, and then also the idea of intermittent positive reinforcement. It is the strongest uh, uh, Pavlovian response that we have as humans. That's why gambling can be so addictive, right? You don't know when something's going to hit, and when it does, it's 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 got a much more force in in pulling you in, and. Uh, and and they are just so good at continuing to move the posts to the next thing. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that kind of psychological engagement.
3: Certainly, yeah. No. I think uh, that's one of the smartest things that he was able to do and the way to really, really engage so many people was uh, keeping this gamified model of uh, one of our interviewees calls it going to college for the deep state, right? It's this constant flow of information where you feel like, You are rewarded in the way that you would be in a class uh, because you are are, uh, the, the questions that are posed on the boards. You're then forced to, uh, you know, either watch a baker do it uh, to explain it, or to do your own research on it, which is the, what they push—the do your own research. And in doing so, you become so engaged in the same way that you did with that demon at 13, right? Like you saw that demon in the Ouija board yourself, and so you really—it was—you can't really back off of that that quickly. Um, we all saw it; we were there together, and we need, got, need to go in more. And I think that QAnon really does that very in a very sophisticated way. Yeah and then it
0: feeds itself, right? Because if something goes wrong, it's the demon. And then it, it, you know, and it's because we haven't vanquished it yet. And I think that I mean that's uh, like a kind of a very direct example, but it, you know, you're exactly right. I ha- I have to agree with you 100% on this.
3: For sure. And within the the internet, you know, if you're you're doing your own research and the data voids that are provided that, that there's a gap in information if you if you're looking into, you know, comet ping pong or Adrenochrome or whatever it is that, that Q is pushing, well, there's not gonna be a New York Times article on these things. There's not gonna be some sort of peer reviewed journal where you can find actual research on this. There are gonna be a bunch of websites by Q people and you're gonna read these websites and you're gonna think that you came to this independently, but really it was part of this network.
2: Yeah, it's something that we talk about. It's like kind of the gamification of confirmation bias, right? where you can kind of look at a set of facts and really just pull out the things that um, confirm your like prejudices. And so when you think about Q, you know, there's all, it's like this information highway, right? Everybody's putting up and down what they think Q might be talking about. And there are these on-ramps and these on-ramps, you know, whether it be kind of the adrenochrome child trafficking theory. you know, and save our children or that, you know, Hillary Clinton is a demon or that 9-11 was fake. These are all on ramps that QAnon was able to use so that everybody, you know, whether you're Democrat or liberal or rich or poor, you know, you can kind of find your lane, confirm your own bias through this kind of uh, this set of information that's asking you to tell me, you know, what does this mean? explain it to me and so people you know would come up with the most outrageous um, interpretations and then the way that that engaged with platforms like youtube or twitter or facebook was that you know kind of the most outrageous interpretations won those were the ones that were spread far and wide those are the ones that got 50 comments in the first hour and therefore you know created a, a baker or a baker celebrity within the QAnon community Um, And, you know, with stories like, you know, Isaac Cappy, we see how dark that can become uh, when it just kind of starts from like playing this game to then really feeling like, you know, uh, the world is kind of closing in on you and, and your physical safety is constantly in threat. And I think that's the part of QAnon, the dark side of it, right? Is like after you get a few hits of like, you know, I got a shout out from Q on the board because I did a good decode. Um, after that, you start to live in a world where, you know, the most horrific things are right outside your window, you know, like things like pizza and hot dogs become confirmation that, you know, satanic rituals are happening around the corner. And so once you're in that world and you're in that mindset, um, we we see what can happen, you know, and I think like stories like Anthony Camello or Isaac Cappy are kind of these one off incidents. But then as a group, the insurrection shows what happens when, you know, hundreds of thousands of, you know, millions of people are believing Mm -hmm. this. And so they no longer are engaging with, you know, the real world, so to speak. They're engaging with a filter that Q has placed over the world that they're now acting
0: on. Yeah. And and getting them to figure it out on their own is such a powerful concept, too. I remember in... uh my big fat Greek wedding when they had to convince the dad that it was his idea to get the Neo Bernalos to work over at the travel agency. You know, uh, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. I I learned this in multiple leadership development program classes where you go into a meeting, you have an end goal in mind, and you set up the meeting and and the steps so that everyone else in the meeting believes that they came up with the end goal that you had in mind and that gives everybody a buy-in and makes it a much more powerful concept. Absolutely. Wow. This is just so fascinating. I can't wait for everybody to watch this. Can you um, tell everyone again where they can find uh, this, this docu-series?
3: Sure. So it begins tonight, 10 p.m. on Vice TV. Uh, and the second episode will be tomorrow night. And the third episode will be Thursday night, Vice TV, 10 p.m. It's all three nights in a row, 10 p.m. It's great. I
0: think
2: you'll love it.
3: Yeah. Ooh, what? Uh, Yeah, and I think it's,
0: you know, it's it's so relevant because we are keeping National Guard troops in the Capitol now because of, of future QAnon drops. March 4th is supposed to be a very significant day, and... Uh, I think it's very important that we all uh, go in, learn all this stuff. When we can collectively shed light on what's going on uh, with this. It's really the first step in combating it.
3: I think that's a really important point. And I think it's something that uh, we, you know, as a society, we need to make sure we're not sleeping on is that, you know, just because we have a new president uh, doesn't mean this is going away. In uh, fact, quite the opposite. And so this is something that we we are going to have to deal with as a society, and it's going to be a part of our healing process uh, to understand it. So Hope we can provide a little
0: bit of that. Awesome. Well everybody tune in. Marley Bayon, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you, Awesome. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey everybody, this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. For the past four years, we've all had trouble sleeping. I was tossing and turning. I thought it was just because of the stress, because of the pre- you know, who was in the White House and all the politics and the fire hose of crazy news. But as it turns out, I was also sleeping on a trash mattress. But My problems have been solved by Helix. Helix Sleep understands that you're unique and they customize the mattress that you have to fit you and the way you sleep best. Helix Sleep created an online sleep quiz that takes just two minutes to complete. It's very easy, user-friendly, and they use those answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's soft, or if you like a firm mattress, or if you sleep on your side or your belly or your back, or if you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. Like me, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my Side, so it's perfect for me, but you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019, and then again in 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com/dailybeans. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you try it for 100 nights without risk because they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. It's super easy, but you will love it, I swear. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com/dailybeans. That's Helix, H-E l-i-x sleep.com daily beans for up to $200 off all right everybody welcome back it is time for the good news well, And a well-earned good news sesh today, I must say. Indeed. I must say. Well-earned, everyone. Well-earned. If you have any good news or confessions or corrections or anything, you just want to say hi, uh, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And that's how you reach us. And then we will give you a shout out unless you want to remain anonymous, et cetera. So first up, from Michael, pronouns he and him. Greetings, Beans Divas. I only discovered your pod this summer, and while I regret I didn't get to rely on you as a mental health sustaining resource until then, I'm grateful to you for helping me through this autumn and winter of madness. Correction. Ooh, a correction. On Friday, you referred to Amanda Gorman as the inaugural poet, the inaugural poet, as Poet Laureate. She is not. Poet Laureate is an official federal appointment with the Library of Congress and is held by Joy Harjo, the esteemed Native American Muscogee Creek Nation poet, currently serving her third term. The cynic in me assumes her title was renewed twice only because the gilded pustule in the White House couldn't be bothered to sign off on a successor. But no matter. Harjo, I think I don't know if it's Harjo or Harjo, deserves the accolade. Ms. Gorman was in 2017 the inaugural National Youth Poet Laureate, an honor given by Urban Word, an independent arts program in New York City. Not quite the same level of prestige, but on the basis of her performance at the inauguration, it's probably safe to predict that it will only be a matter of time. Thank you again, A.G. and Crew, for keeping me and all your listeners informed, engaged, inspired, outraged, hopeful, and sane. What a <laughs> nice gamut of feelings. Podpet tacks attached. Are the album cover photos of our own Fab Four. Left to right in the first photo. Leica, the White Shepherd Boxer Chow Chow, etc., mix, and her backup Barkers, Cyrus. Chihuahua mix, Bianca, White Terrier, Corgi, Chinese Crested, etc. mix, and Duncan, Lab Pity, Cattle Dog, Chow Chow, etc. mix. (laughs) Where are these? Where are they all meeting and hanging out? Goodness. Please enjoy your cover art from their first release, Not Just Any Mutt, their breakout album, Who's Your Doggy, and their special holiday release, Jingle Bell Bark. All four are rescues, and of course, they are spoiled, rotten. Thank you for that correction, Michael. That's an important distinction. Uh, National Youth Poet Laureate versus Poet Laureate. I appreciate that very much. But yeah, you're right. I think it's just a matter of time. Look at that album cover. It totally is.
1: I like the second picture. Look how proud.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one in the back row, just like looking off like into totally. the distance like like he's questing.
1: Yeah. <sighs>
0: oh, the, oh, oh, All of and these then they are have... very cute okay you got uh, y- y'all can't wait to see these on the newsletter i'm excited for you
1: so so good all right thank you so much for that moving on we got j pronouns he and him my wife and i have fostered dogs off and on since we were married back in 2014 our last foster charlotte a jack russell border collie mix was a difficult case a different case no a difficult case i had that right the first time uh she uh she didn't like men hated hoodies and beards uh same just kidding um i love men <laughs> <laughs> i love men hoodies and beards i promise um especially mine it's the pandemic people there's nothing i can do about it uh her social skills were non-existent the first time we met wasn't good but we took the scared girl home anyway the day after she arrived she was left home alone with me at the time because i worked from home we quickly became bffs over the next few weeks jump ahead six months we still had this sacred the scared girl Now, I was getting a haircut, and during the small talk, I discovered the girl that cuts my hair. Her boyfriend is who rescued Charlotte. From her situation, I was stuck in the chair. Whoa, small world. I know. I was stuck in the chair hearing the horror story that was this dog's background. Three days later, I went on and officially added Charlotte to our family. I did this without telling or asking my (laughs) wife. Needless (laughs) to say, when she came home that evening, I asked her what kind of mood she was in, and she wasn't super thrilled, but we are now the owners of three dogs. So we've had in obedience classes and have worked really hard on helping her trust humans jump ahead almost three years to this past Sunday. My wife and I were able to take Charlotte in her first professional grooming ever. She was a trooper and did very well. We had previously brought... Uh, excuse me, brought her in to meet our groomers and explain the situation. One girl at the doggy salon jumped at the chance to help us and went above and beyond her duty. We were very grateful and tipped her very well. Charlotte came out of a little, came out a little horrified, but no worse for the wear. My wife and I were so happy at Charlotte being able to do something so normal. We were almost in tears. She was rewarded with a special treat for her bravery and lots of snuggles when we got home. I'll end by saying this. If we have room, if you have room in your heart and home for a shelter pet, please take one in. Also don't overlook the shy and scared ones. They have less of an opportunity for a new home. I've included pictures of Charlotte from her spa day and one of her with her big brothers for the pod pet tax. Love you ladies for all your hard work keeping us informed.
0: Oh, look at this baby.
1: The baby looks so soft right now. Oh. She definitely is ready to come home, though.
0: That sleeping one is great. All three of them just sleeping. Oh, yeah. Aww, so cute. Thank you for that. What a great story. I appreciate anyone who can foster dogs, especially the shy ones or the ones that need a, a lot of extra attention. That's awesome. Um, next up from anonymous pronouns, she and her, you people are so cool, great, funny, and informative. Happy birthday, AG! A few days late. Couple things. First, you had someone on that had a phobia about wet hair. I totally get it. This is one of the most disgusting things to me. Oh my There's God. an actual condition called uh, trichophobia. Uh, I'm not sure my, where my disgust rises to the to phobia level, but the person who thought it was funny to write something with wet hair was actually being cruel. It is not funny. <laughs> I read a book called. Why my third husband will be a dog by Lisa Scottoline, very <laughs> funny. So I'm attaching a couple pics of my third husband, the best one ever. His name is Buddha, and we're totally in love. One more thing, uh, bought four chicks September 9th on inauguration day. Um, Kamala is the hen's name. She laid her first ever egg. What a fantastic day!
1: <laughs> oh my God! What a beautiful chicken! Ooh! I don't normally say that about chickens, but i I feel like I'm. Ge- I feel like I'm getting hypnotized. To love chickens. Oh, look
0: at these doggos. Oh, the babies. Look at the baby. What I a love cutie. This
1: face. Cute, cute, cute. All right. This next one comes from Mary Beth, pronouns she and her. I was thrilled that you had Charlotte Clymer on today. I'm a cis, het, white, suburban mom, and I'm also the referral coordinator at a university health center. I work with a number of LGBTQ plus students, so I learned about our different communities of students and working with them knowledgeably and compassionately is a big part of my job. I have a couple of acquaintances who are trans women. We've never talked much about their journeys or day-to-day lives because frankly, it's none of my business unless they bring it up, which they haven't. I first learned about Charlotte when I stumbled on a Twitter thread. She wrote about an experience trying to use the women's restroom in DC at a nightclub. She writes so poignantly that one would have to be a literal rock not to be moved. She's been instrumental in my education about the experiences of trans people. And I'm so grateful for her honesty, her advocacy, and especially her graciousness. I hope you will continue to have her on at the pod. Uh, for my pod pet tags, I am including a picture of my niece's dog, Ronnie wearing her RBG t-shirt. Uh, we took this for a, an instagram uh, post for our tap room so this is also a shameless plug that if and when you go back to doing live shows if you're ever in portland oregon we'd love to host an after party it would be thrilled i will keep that in mind as well as i perform in portland usually once a year when there's not a pandemic um yes. this pot pet's adorable charlotte Aww. is incredible i mean charlotte the other thing is she's so very funny she also has one of the <laughs> fastest minds um, I've ever had the experience of like interacting with, which is why she was the rapid response um, coordinator for the human rights campaign. But uh, she's incredible, so I'm I'm glad that she's been able to touch so many people with her Twitter feed and her story and everything else. She's amazing.
0: Yeah, she's witty. She's fantastic. She's funny. She's incredibly brave, and and just so awesomely outspoken. I love her so much. I really do. And it was a it was an honor to speak to her. We've had her on once before. If you want to search back through the old Daily Beans archives and and, uh, listen to another interview we did, and I'm sure we'll have her on again. She's just absolutely super gracious about stuff like that.
1: And I realize I haven't done any new episodes, but uh, if anyone wants to go on anywhere, podcasts probably where you find your beans uh, and look up out in left field. uh, It's the podcast I normally host outside of uh, the beans. And Charlotte was my first guest. So you have to go back a little bit for the episode, but it's worth listening to. She's amazing. Yes,
0: a hundred percent. Yeah, out on left field is such a great show. Thank you, Seriously. dear. Seriously. Next up from Stephen Parker, Captain, CPT, Infantry, US Army, retired. Thank you for your service, Stephen Parker. Hi, longtime MSWW uh, MSWDB supporter and fan. A correction with love. US Army Rangers, the seventy-fifth Ranger Regiment, are not, as mentioned on the latest Daily Beans, are not special forces, as twice said. They are special operations forces. Which includes Special Forces, Green Berets, Rangers, Civil Affairs and uh, Psychological Operations, the SOAR, or Special Ops Air Regiment, and shh, the Delta Force, and some other elite units. So U.S. Army Rangers are Special Operations Troops, but not Special Forces Troops. Okay, cool. Oodles and oodles of newly minted Army lieutenants go through the three-week Ranger training and wear the Ranger tab before they go on to their infantry, artillery, military, police, transportation, supply, finance unit, etc. To actually be a Ranger, one must be assigned to the Ranger Regiment. Yeah, I think that's what Charlotte was say as your guest points out saying you served as a ranger when you only went through the three week ranger course is an unpardonable faux pas in the army i was special operations u.s army infantry officer now retired now here's the compliment portion i love your work and followed closely since the beginning of the Mueller investigation i love the pet tax most of the time you're preaching to the choir with me i love amy's court and the chosen cases hair in the shower (laughs) etc that's what the other person was bringing up (laughs) For pet tax, I'll post the wonderful rescue kitty I lost last spring during the COVID lockdown. Uh, I adore my tuxedo cat, Nikki. Dude, tuxedos are the best. Some college student threw him out as a five-year-old, and I took him home before a huge ice cream. Why did I say huge ice cream storm? Before a huge ice storm hit. He had a greatly enlarged heart, but I hoped he'd weather that. And he was with me for 12 years. Quite the hunter. He cleared three successive yards of a 1,000 moles. Wow. So the yards went from furrowed messes to no moles at all. He was always the strongest and quickest cat. Um, and he was the most loving to the other cats I had. I tried to wash and cuddle them, but they mostly snubbed him. He would look a little sad, but then he'd try again next time. He patrolled the neighborhood, uh, ranging down the streets and into the woods. My neighbors all said, Yes, we love Nicky. He comes by every day. <laughs> One incident reveals his soul. Our timid silver tabby boy, Willie, was on the back porch. I saw a movement through the window, and the forty pound half- pit bull who is always kept in his yard had escaped and was charging Willie, uh, who shrank back against the wall, helpless. I love dogs, uh, I love them. I know the signs that a dog is playing or just trying to scare someone or actually attacking this dog didn't bark. he was going in for the kill, and he charged, and his mouth was opening. From across the yard, Nicky, the fastest of the fast cats I've owned, zoomed in between the charging pity and Willie and in that one instant turned and charged the dog. All this was in an instant. The pit bull tried to grasp Nicky in his jaws, but Nicky struck his muzzle with both front paws. The dog recoiled and then enraged, dove in with his jaws open, lips curled back to kill. Nicky stood his ground and hit the dog with his claws again, causing him to recoil. I came boiling out of the back door and the pit bull saw the fire in my eyes and wanted no part of me or Nikki and ran away. He he was all for killing the helpless cat, but um, uh, a cat who fights and a retired infantry officer were not what he had planned on. That one story is Nikki the cat with a greatly oversized heart, literally Aww. and metaphorically. Instead of zipping to safety up a tree, he protected his home ground, but specifically he protected Willie. No greater love hath any soul than to give their life for another. Aww.
1: Look at the baby. What a sweet story. Yeah. Oh. My goodness. Sweet.
0: sweet baby kitty. Aww. Whew! That's got to be scary. I know I took my... I took my uh I had a Pekinese for a while. I took him for a walk at the dog park and some little Jack Russell mix kind of dog like grabbed him by the ear, bit him, chomped down Oof. hard, wouldn't wouldn't let go. And there's like a, a whole kerfuffle and yelps and I'm trying to get the dog off. It's hard when a dog wants to bite hard. Yeah. They can do some damage and it's scary. Everyone was okay in that particular situation. But it can be pretty scary, you know, and dogs, the dogs will be dogs. You can't blame a dog. Right. Um, but it's just it's it's frightening. Yeah. But what a good boy.
1: Is that at your place or mine? That's at my place. Oh,
0: I was like, there's a fighter pilot joining the show. Yeah, they've come for me. Finally, Dana. Yeah, I figured.
1: <laughs> All right, everyone, I'll be taking over tomorrow. Uh, everyone's take care and say goodbye to A.G. Thanks for the run. We had a good run
0: uh and everybody if you want to send in your stories and your pod pets and everything you uh you know where to do it dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and this thursday at 5 p.m dan and i will be live on the stereo app so check that out Um, i cannot wait i love those they're so much fun and uh, the money that we win the money that we get from that we put right back into the show i i just have given a bunch of raises to everybody we pay for health care Everybody makes like twice the minimum wage. Like we really put it back into the show. I just want everyone to know that it goes it all goes to to people who who need it and deserve it. So absolutely. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Um, although my ex-husband seems to think I'm hiding a, a zillion dollars in the divorce from him, which there is not. That is mm, not happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am though. I am hiding money from your ex-husband. Let him know. can i do a one-time tax-free gift to you to hide my millions (laughs) yes please do Um, i mean you may never see me again but please you're more than welcome to everybody thinks
0: i'm a zillionaire nope um, <laughs> no, nope all the money goes back into the show y'all and um and that's why we thank you so much for supporting us and so much for being here and listening because the biggest most amazing payout i can ever imagine is that we have this community and that we have each other and that i get to do this every day and you get to listen that's i can't it's the <laughs> I, I can't ask for anything more than that you know what i
1: mean absolutely you do what you love you won't have to work yeah. a day in your life
0: mm-hmm. Yep. And so, uh, although it was kind of work to have to watch the the, the Donald news oh, 24-7. Oh, God, it really was. Everyone's
1: like, why are you doing this? I'm like, it's my job. It's my job. Um, but I have a
0: feeling it's going to start getting way more fun, and it already yeah. has. So, agreed, everybody, agreed. Until, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the Beans.